If you would find your place in Jude chapter 1 and also Hebrews chapter number 12. Jude chapter 1. Amen. So uh, we're here and I want to bring you a message this morning entitled a different message. I've been in a different mode. And even though I've been in a different mode, God's been working. We've seen about 15 people saved in the last little while. Last Sunday we had 10 people join the church, 8 for baptism. I just say, hey. God can do whatever he wants to do. I appreciate it, don't you? So this morning, I want to bring you a message entitled, Keep Yourself in the Place of Blessing. I want you to take some notes this morning. And I want you to remember this message because I think it's a very, very important message for us as Christians. And I think it's very, very important for us to keep ourselves in the place of blessing. Did you realize sometimes you can remove yourself from the place of blessing? We're going to see that today. Let's pray. Father, as we begin to study your word and as we worship together, I praise you for the day. I ask you to bless us with the Spirit of God. I ask you, Lord, to save today that which needs to be saved, that person that's lost and doesn't know Christ. Would you bring them to Christ today? And then that person that has backslidden and moved out of the place of blessing, I pray, Lord, you'd bring them back to your side. I pray, Heavenly Father, you'd fill us today with the Holy Spirit. We've already felt your spirit through the song and the testimony. And Father, I pray that you'd continue to work in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thank you. And amen. Would you mind shut that door over there? All right. All right. Many, how many would say, and I'm not going to get you to raise your hand, but how many would say that I'd like to stay, preacher, I'd like to stay in the place of blessing. I'd like to stay in the place of the favor of God. As old brother Mays used to say, he said, I like to stay under the spout where the glory comes out. I think every one of us this morning would raise our hands and say, preacher, I'd like to be in that place, in that state of the soul where I have peace, in that state of mind where I know there's nothing between me and God. To know that my spirit is right with God, that I am positioned and my life is positioned my family is positioned, my church is positioned to receive the blessings of God. Wouldn't you like to be there? I would, praise God. I want to be there and I want to stay there. I think the reason that many of us don't get in on the blessings of God is that we have not positioned ourselves to receive it. I want you to think about that with me. Now, the tennis player, and I, I want to give you an example. If you're playing tennis and there's one on this side of the net and one on that side of the net and you're trying to score a point against the other person, you can't always make the greatest shot in the world. The best shot is the setup shot. In other words, what you try to do is get your opponent out of position. If they're in the middle of the court and they're ready to receive the ball, it's hard to get the ball by. But if you can make a shot and pull them over to the left... Then you take the center of the court. When they hit the ball, the whole court is open on the right. You understand what I'm saying? And the devil, don't miss this. Why do you say that, preacher? Because the devil, oh, this is so important. The devil wants to get you out of position to receive the blessings of God. And his first shot may not be a driving, steaming shot at you. His first shot may be just a little lob across the net to get you off to the side of the court 
and the rest of the court is open, and the next shot, boom, is going to be a drive. Are you all with me? So watch out when the devil starts them little soft shots, and he's trying to get you off balance, out of the center of the court, out of the place of the blessings of God. Is everybody with me? Can I, will you raise your hand? Hey, man, you raise your hand now. Hey, I think of the, 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 let's just illustrate it more. I think of the catcher, the hind catcher. Don't miss this. Great illustration. The hind catcher is behind the plate receiving the pitch. He has to position himself to receive the pitch. He has to get in the right position. He has to have the right equipment. Has to have the right training. Has to have his eye on the ball. He can have the best pitcher in the world, like Landon, amen. He can have the best pitcher in the world, but if he hasn't positioned himself, he's not going to get the ball, and the runners are going to advance and score on him. Is everybody with me? Now, you know what? Let me just make a spiritual application. Listen, you've got the best pitcher in the world if God's on your side. You know what he wants to do? He wants to just pitch you out a blessing. He does. He wants to throw you out some wisdom. He wants to give you some leadership and guidance. He, and listen, if you're laying down behind the plate, you ain't in position to catch the ball. Amen. If you're behind the umpire, you're not in position to catch the ball. Hey, what are you saying, preacher? We ought to be as Christians positioned the proper stance, the proper equipment, the proper training to, be, to, to receive the spiritual blessings of God. Let me tell you something about God. The only thing about liberal about God is his giving. God is a liberal giver. <laughs> Don't tell me he's not. I'm looking at a bunch of people who got on nice clothes. You drove a nice vehicle. You exited a, a, an air-conditioned home. Don't tell me God ain't pitching out blessings. He is. We need to be positioned to receive those blessings. He's got the best arm in the universe. Amen. We just need to catch the ball. So don't allow sin to come into your mind. Don't allow the devil to get you out of balance and out of the center of the court. Don't allow a bad attitude to get you out of the way or jealousy or envy. Don't let a soft shot of the devil just take... Uh, listen, I've seen some people get out of church. The devil just takes a little pot shot at them. Maybe he uses somebody else in the church to, to, to make them mad or to say a little something or there's a little misunderstanding and that's just a little lob shot to the just over the net to this side and they get all aggravated and all just upset about it they leave the church and the devil removes them from the place of blessing and the next shot is a screamer down the middle and they just lost a point you know how many families and I'm going to tell you I'm not going to back down from what I'm about to say I've seen families right in this community or right in this church and the devil sent them a little soft shot and now they're out of church Amen. they're out of balance and they're suffering for it, folks. They're suffering for it. They've removed themselves from the place of blessing. And the devil's moved into their home and brought sin and brought shame and brought destruction. And they have no clue. Hey, let me tell you something. If that's happening in your life, just get back to the place of blessing. i got to move on. Here we go. So don't allow sin. Hey, 
God will not pour out his blessings on us if we don't position ourselves for them. Let me say that again. God will not pour out his blessings on us if, if we don't position ourselves for him. Brother Mays put it like this. said he went to a restaurant years ago, and, and they, the, the waitress wasn't bringing him coffee. He had a cup, but the waitress wasn't bringing him coffee. And finally, about her third trip around, he said, Ma'am, are you going to bring me some coffee? She said, Are you going to turn your cup up? The cup was turned over, and until you turned it right side up in a fancy restaurant, that was her signal to bring you some coffee. You know what? I like a good cup of brew, don't you? Now, I'm talking about coffee. <laughs> Not anything else brewed. Hey, I, want my, I don't know about you. I want my cup turned up this morning. Where's your cup? Did you, did you come to church with your cup turned up this morning? I'm coming to church. Here's my cup. I'm looking for a blessing. I want to move closer to you. I want to hear the word of God. I want to apply it to my life. Listen, God will fill your cup. It wouldn't matter if I preached on hell this morning. If you come with your cup turned up, you could have a little cup of brew. Amen. A little java. Yes, sir. So the devil knows if he can get out of our heart and mind, change our attitude, our mindset toward the things of God, we will be removed from the favor of God. And I want you to know, listen, Christian, you have a responsibility before God to keep yourself in the place of blessing. Turn to Jude chapter 1. Jude 1. Now I want, to, I want to use this for an example, and then I'm going to hit here with some, just some basic doctrinal preaching. The Bible says in Jude, there's only one chapter, verse number 21. The Bible says this, Keep yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Keep yourself, underline that phrase, there it is, there is my responsibility to keep myself in the love of God. Now, when you underline that, I want you to look this way. Because God is not saying through Jude that you're to keep yourself saved. He's saying keep yourself positioned where God can pour out his love, his favor, and his protection on you. Amen. You can't keep yourself saved. That's right. I can't keep my... I, if I depended on myself to be saved, I'd be lost before I could make that door back there. It is his ability to save. It is his ability to keep me saved. I am not to try to maintain salvation, for salvation is of the Lord, Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace are you saved through faith in that not of yourself. It's a gift. There it is. He's the pitcher. It's the gift of God. All I got to do is be in the right position to catch it. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation is not based on my ability. It's based on his ability. I'm going to give you two scriptures quickly. Paul said this, Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. 
Paul didn't say, I've got confidence I'm going to make it. I've got confidence in my preaching ability. I've got confidence in my Christian ability. I, he said, my ability is in him, and I'm persuaded he's going to keep it. Let me give you another verse. Paul said this, or whoever wrote Hebrews. I don't know who wrote Hebrews. Doesn't matter to me. The Bible says this, Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost, all that come to God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost. How far is uttermost? Is there anything further than uttermost? So if it's his ability to save to the uttermost, then I don't have to keep myself saved, amen. Praise God. Because of the cross, he's able to save. Because of his sacrifice, he's able to cleanse. Because of his blood, he's able to wash me, regenerate me, redeem me for absolute ever, amen. Once I come to him, he does the saving, he does the keeping. All I did, what's my part? My part's to believe the gospel, repent of my sins, trust Christ as my Savior, place all of my weight, my soul, my everything on what Christ did for me on the cross of Calvary. God said, I'll take your faith in exchange for my redemption. Praise God, I'll write your name in the Lamb's book of life forever. Amen. Praise God. That's salvation. But once we're saved, Jude tells us here to keep ourselves in the love of God. That is to keep ourselves in the place of blessing. Well, now, wait a minute, preacher. If Jude tells us to keep ourselves in the love of God, doesn't the Bible tell us that nothing can separate us from the love of God? For didn't Paul say one of my favorite verses is Romans 8, 38, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall ever be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Wait a minute, if Paul said that in one place, why is Jude saying that I need to keep myself in the love of God? Well, they're both correct because of this. I like the way J. Vernon McGee put it. Keep yourself in the love of God. You can't stop the sun from shining. Amen. It's going to shine anyway. But you can remove yourself from sunshine. That's right. You can go in your basement and pull the blinds and live in that dungeon if you want to. And you'll never see a sun ray. You'll never see light. You'll never be illuminated. You'll never be heated. Hey, you cannot hide from the sun, but you can... The sun is always going to shine, but you can't hide from the sun. Amen. And so to keep ourselves in the love of God, the love of God is going to shine down for God so loved the world. That has never stopped. It will never stop. It won't stop in the tribulation period. It didn't stop when Adam sinned in the garden. It didn't, it's not going to stop when the Antichrist rules the world. It's not going to, God still loves the world and you can't stop the love of God from coming down, but you can block it. Amen. What are you saying, preacher? Keep yourself in the place of blessing. That's right. Keep yourself in the place of blessing. I don't understand how people live with the shades pulled down. I like light, don't you? 
I like it on my face. I like it shining in my house. I don't want to live in dungeon-like conditions. I, I, I like the heat absorbing into my body, praise God. But better than that, I like the sunshine of the love of God. Amen. The Bible says you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people that you should shew forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. The light of God is a marvelous light. And I don't want to remove myself from the place that God can bless me, from the place that I feel protected. Now, J. Vernon McGee used that example of, of, of removing yourself from light, but let me give you George's example about love and being protected. Now, I love my kids. I mean, you better believe I, love, I got three children, and I love them all. Amen. But my daughter came to me a few years ago when she turned 18. She said, Daddy, I'm marrying a military man, and I'm out here. Well, what do you do? You kiss her goodbye. Now, let me just tell you something. She moved to Minot, North Dakota, 2,500 miles away, and I went to the barn and cried my eyes out. I screamed. I mean, I've never screamed before, but I tell you, if you'd heard me in the barn, you said, that guy's nuts. I screamed after losing that girl. But you know what? Didn't make me love her anymore or, or any less. Did I love her less? I really loved her more because I missed her. I, but now listen, here's what she did. She removed herself from my protection. That killed me because as long as she's with me, <laughs> I'm going to protect that girl. With my life, I'm going to protect her. Amen. I love her. And believe me, I'm armed enough to protect her. And you could take all my arms away, and I'll protect her with my life. Amen. But when she's 2,500 miles away, it's hard to take a plane and be there in a second. Right. What are you saying, preacher? She, she didn't remove herself from my love, nor from my favor, but she removed herself from my protection. I'm going to tell you something. Think about that with God. You, you'll never remove yourself from the love of God. He loved you. He died for you. He proved it. He saved you. He blessed you. He's going to take you to heaven for all of eternity. You're going to be with him. You'll never remove yourself. But you can remove yourself from his protection. It's getting quiet because that's a scary thing. So I think of Jacob, I've got to hurry here. I think of Jacob and Esau. I want you to give you a comparison of two boys, two twin boys that came out of the womb practically exactly the same time. And these boys had two different attitudes toward God. These boys had two different attitudes toward the spiritual things. These, one set himself up for the favor of God and one set himself up for the destruction of the devil, Esau and, and Jacob. And I want to put Esau, if you would, I'll put Esau to my left and I'll put Jacob to my right. And don't let me get confused. Esau, let's, let's think about these two boys raised up under the, in the same house, raised to the same parents, Jacob was loved by his mother, Rachel. So she favored Jacob. By the way, parents, don't favor your children. I'll discuss that in just a minute. Don't you favor one child above another. Amen. Amen. You love them all, treat them all the same. But, but Jacob was favored, but Esau was favored of Jacob, his father. Of Isaac, I'm sorry, Isaac. So you got Esau, Jacob, Rebekah the mother loved Jacob, Isaac the father Loved Esau. Now, these boys are going to grow up together. 
They're going to grow up in the same home. They're going to grow up under the same doctrine. They're going to see the same God bless Isaac and, their, and Rebecca. They're going to walk under the blessings of Abraham. But Esau, the Bible says, was a man of the field. He was a man's man. I liked Esau. I mean, when I read about Esau, Esau was a good old boy. He had basically, if, if I looked at Esau and put him on today's terms, Esau had a four-wheeler and a, and a bow and arrow, and he liked to hunt. He was a man of the field. He was a man's man. I mean, you know, he was, he was the linebacker for the Buffalo Bills, and he was just a man's man. But you hear me, he didn't care for the things of God. That's dangerous. Listen, it doesn't make you a sissy to care for the things of God. It doesn't make you effeminate that you care for the things of the church and the Bible and devotionals and, and dedicating. That doesn't make you effeminate, amen. And so Jacob was, the Bible says, on the other hand, Jacob over here was a plain man. He dwelt in the tents. He, he cooked with his mama. Now, he wasn't effeminate, amen. He wasn't a homosexual, but he was a, more of a plain man. He was, he was more of a mama's boy, amen. But you know what? He cared for the things of God, and God didn't look on the physical stature. God didn't look on, on, the, on, the, on the personal desires and the personal opinions of those boys. He looked on their heart and saw who had a heart for God. And one of those boys placed himself in the position of blessing, amen. Esau cared not for the things of God, but it hurt his relationship all the way around with his family. He didn't care for the birthright or the blessing, amen. But Jacob, though he was not outgoing like his brother, he had a heart for God. Let me ask you a question. Where are you in life? Do you care for the things of God? Where, where are you in your personal attitude toward the church, toward prayer, toward devotions, toward maintaining a witness of God? Where are you? Jacob loved the things of God. He loved God. And so where are you in your life? Do you think, do you, are you grateful for the things of God? Are you grateful you had a church to worship at this morning? Amen. Are you grateful you had a Bible to bring to church? Are you grateful you had freedom? Are you grateful that you had... Do those things mean something to you? They meant nothing to Esau. And he sold them out. See, one day Esau was out in the field hunting. The good old boy had been out on his horse and his bow and arrow. He'd been out there enjoying the fields. He'd been out there enjoying the, the prey. And, and he comes home, but he, he hadn't caught anything, hadn't killed anything that morning. He comes home hungry, and Jacob is in there cooking. And Esau comes back, and he says, give me some of that pottage that I like. And Jacob said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you some of that if you'll sell me your birthright. And the Bible says for a bowl of pottage, a bowl of pottage, Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of pottage. He sold out the things of God, the things he should have loved, the things he should have valued in life. He should have valued the spiritual blessings of God. He should have positioned himself more than anything to receive that. But he didn't. He sold it out. 
He asked for some pottage, sold his birth. You say, now wait a minute, preacher. That wasn't too smart to sell out the blessings of God for a bowl of pottage. Well, let me ask you a question. What are you selling out the blessings of God for? How cheap are you selling out the blessings of God? Think about that today. How many people in our society devalue the things of God? They place no value on building a relationship with Jesus Christ. They place no value on the Bible. They place no value on their Christian life. They place no value on the church. They place no value on being faithful. They don't care about their relationship with God. They'll sell out their birthright for a ball game. That's cheap, buddy. Listen, ain't nobody loves ball better, any better than me. I could chase a ball, and I've said this before, you could throw a football in the middle of hell and half of America would jump in after it. And I love ball. But let me tell you something. I'm not for sale. When it comes to the house of God, I'm going to be faithful. Amen. You're not going to see me out there anywhere else but in the house of God when the doors are open or my responsibility is toward this church. Amen. I'm not for sale. That's cheap. They sell out their birth. They trade their blessing for a trip in the world. Listen, they sell out the eternal for the temporary. Isn't that what Esau did? He sold out the eternal for the, a temporary bowl of pottage. I can't help but say this. I've said it before. But I guess maybe this is something that just gigs me. I hate to go down to the filling station and all people care about three things. Beer, cigarettes, and lottery tickets. I mean, how small-minded are we? We Just give me this little, give me this two-minute high with that nicotine or this one-hour high with this Michelob or give me just a little bit of this a three-second excitement while I scratch this and you can have everything else. That's stupid. But yet, here's what makes me matter. It's when Christians can't see the eternal things and they sell out to the world, the cheap things of the world. They sell out the blessings of God for the world and they're no different than Esau. It goes, it, 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 listen, it starts right here in the pulpit. I've seen preachers sell out a great ministry for one fling with one woman. I know a preacher who was preaching to 1,200 in the 70s. And one fling, he sold out a ministry. And now 15 people wouldn't come to hear him teach a Sunday school class. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying exactly what I mean. You need to keep yourself positioned in the place where God can bless you. And in turn, if you're blessed, our church will be blessed. God will be blessed. This community will be blessed. How many people have sold out their name? They had a good name in the community, but they got into something and they just sold it out. The Bible says a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. I've seen, so, I've seen deacons walk away from the place of blessing for a cheap thrill. Christians who had the hand of God sell out their life for nothing. Turn with me, please, and I've got to close the message to Hebrews chapter 12. 
Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 16. Hebrews 12. I had you to turn there. You should be just flipping your finger. Hebrews 12, verse number 16. Here's these two boys. We're going to look at the life of Esau. Esau, verse number 16 of Hebrews chapter number 12. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Once he screwed up, they ain't no going back. Let me say that again. I chose those words very carefully because we understand them. Once he screwed up, there's no going back. He saw it carefully with tears. But watch what his problem was. Verse number 16, he was a fornicator. He was a womanizer. He was a profane person. That means he couldn't stop being corrupt in his life. Esau didn't care for the things of God, so he sold out for one morsel of meat. And after he did it, well, he found no place, there's no going back. Jacob received the blessings of God. Jacob received the blessings that were intended. Don't you miss this, church. Jacob received the blessings and the birthright that was intended for Esau. Don't get mad when God blesses somebody else. Amen. Jacob was not perfect, but he was a spiritual man. Now, let me, let me, get, through, let me get through the life of Jacob just a little bit here. So Jacob has to leave home. This, this, these twin brothers, that selling of the... Not only did Jacob get the birthright, Jacob got the blessing. So after that, there was so much contention between them two boys at home. One of them had to leave, and it was Jacob. So Jacob leaves home, and he goes down to a place called Bethel. And Bethel means the house of God. Bethel, the house of Elohim, the house of God. And there he goes to Bethel. And the Bible says that God appeared unto Jacob, and Jacob saw the latter vision of angels ascending and descending into heaven. I mean, he saw into heaven. And God said, Jacob, this is where I want you to be. But Jacob went on down, and he went down into the, the land where, of Laban. There he labored. But Jacob, after so many years, came back home. And guess what? When Jacob finally comes back home with all of his experience, all of his skill, all of his talent, all of his family, all of his herds, God made him rich down there. Instead of coming back to Bethel, he goes to Shechem. Now, God told him to return to the house of God, but he goes to Shechem. You know what he finds in Shechem? He's out of the will of God. He's not positioned for the blessings of God. You know what happens to him? Number one, his daughter gets raped. Read it in the Bible. I'm in the Word of God. His, his sons get angry because the daughter got raped, and they go kill all these people, and now he stinks in the sight of all the inhabitants of the land. Then, down there in Shechem, Jacob, I'm talking about Jacob now. We've left Esau. And then down there in Shechem, 
Jacob's still not positioned to receive the blessings of God. His wife gets in, his wives, plural, get involved in idol worship, in satanic rituals. And you know what? God just finally just punches old Jacob pretty hard and says, Buddy, why don't you get back to Bethel, the house of God? Now let me preach to those who aren't here. Maybe you're on Facebook and I'll look at the camera real good and smile. And you're out of the house of God. You're out of the place of blessing. You say, I don't have to go to church to be saved. No, you don't have to, but this is where God blesses. Jesus Christ died for the church of God. And you're laying home watching it on Facebook and laid out a church this morning, praise God. You're out of the place of blessing. There's a special blessing for being here this morning. These people that have come and they've, they've, they've got up, they've got ready. They said, we're going down to the house of God, get the kids ready, get the car ready, make sure we got gas. Hey, they're getting a blessing for being here. Don't remove yourself from the place of blessing. So that's what Jacob did. And Jacob said, hey, I'm tired of this rape stuff. I'm tired of this vengeance stuff. I'm tired of worshiping these false idols. You girls put them false idols away. We're going back to the house of God. We're going back to the place where God can bless us, where God can shower us with his favor, where God can protect us. We're going to place value on those things again. Amen. I'm closing. Let me tell you something. And this will sum up the whole message. If you'll put yourself... In the place of blessing, people will notice the difference in you. It'll be evident from the joy that you have. It'll be evident from the life that you live. It'll be evident from the attitude of your heart that you're living in the place of blessing. Why would we not? Why would we sell out? Why would we go the cheap route? Oh, listen, Peter describes this place of blessing like this. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Notify your face if it is. <laughs> it's joy unspeakable. Hebrews puts it like this. God, even my God, hath anointed me with the oil of gladness above all my fellows. <laughs> when God blesses you, there'll be a dynamic in your soul. There'll be the right attitude. Amen. When God blesses you, there'll be a wonderful atmosphere about you. Here's what I'm going to close with. I choose this day. I choose this day to get back to the center of the court because the next shot's coming. Amen. I choose this day to get in the right position with the right equipment to receive the blessings of God. I choose this day to let God bless me with his blessings. And the Bible says this, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich, but it adds no sorrow. Every other blessing you'll receive will have sorrow with it. You say, oh, it would be a blessing if I had one of them big 350 Ram pickups. Yeah, they'll, they'll sorrow will come with it. Amen. They're dirty. Amen. 
sorrow, you'll have to have it worked on. You'll have to make payments on it. I mean, sorrow, shoot, that's right. Yeah, you've got that right. Hey, you say, well, I'd, I'd like to have all this money. You know what come with that? <laughs> Worry. The blessings of God makes rich, but it doesn't all add all that maintenance and all that sorrow and all that time-consuming stuff and all that worry. I don't know about you, but I choose to position myself for the blessings of God, not choose to position myself for the things of the world that only destroy and make me worry and cause anxiety. Amen. I choose this day, every head bowed and every eye closed, I choose this day. To walk in the favor, the provision, the protection, and the blessing of God. Here's what I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to come out of the basement where you're living. I want to challenge you to open the blinds. And enjoy the sunshine of God. I want to challenge you to get out of sin. Get out of the worldly attitudes. Quit being like Esau. Start being more like Jacob. I want to challenge you to position yourself for the things of God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you for your reverence. I wonder if there'd be one here that's lost. You don't know Christ. If you are lost and you don't know Christ, you have no earthly way. If God's good to you, it's just because he wants to be, not because you're his child. And you can take advantage of that and say, well, God's good to me and I don't need to be saved. And yeah, but one day there'll become a reckoning and it may be today. I want to challenge you to get saved. Would there be one here that come forward? And by your coming forward, you're coming to Christ. Brian will meet you here. We've seen so many people saved recently. I don't want to miss the opportunity to see one more. You need to be saved. Come forward at this time, please. We'll meet you here. We'll love you. We'll wrap our arms around you and we'll pray with you. Show you how you can be saved. All right. What about, dear friend? I haven't asked you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to raise it now. Preacher, I want to leave this church today with my heart right, my attitude right, no sin in my life, no jealousy, no hatred, no eminence, none of those things. I want to leave here right today and position for the blessings of God. Would you slip up your hand quickly? I want to leave here. Amen. God bless your hands all over the house. I appreciate that. I want to leave here today position. We're going to pray in just a minute. I want you to pray with me as we pray. And then I'll open up the doors of the church as I promised. We'll quickly do that. Amen. You can stop playing. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you today, we realize that many today have been caught up in the things of the world and into sin. The devil's give them that little lob shot and got them out of the out. And next thing you know, he's looking for that kill shot. Lord, I pray if there be one there in that place, that you'd wake them up to that in their life. 
I pray, Father, that you'd convict them of that and bring them back to the place of blessing. And then for those who've raised their hand, Lord, I pray that you'd help them to today make their minds up, choose this day whom they will serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. Lord, I pray that you'd keep our church, oh God, not just us as individuals, but Lord, I believe our church is situated right now in the place of blessing. Lord, we've seen people saved. We've seen people get right with God. We've seen people come forth for church membership and baptism. Lord, we've seen to have to form a new class because, and we realize the devil's angry. And he'd love to shoot us that little soft lob shot. But God, would you guard our church? Would you build a hedge about us, I pray? I pray the Spirit of God would become a guardian of Grosses Creek Baptist Church and keep that out. God, how much we enjoy it as we come here and open your word and see your blessings and hear from heaven. Lord, I pray you'd continue to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Look this way. God bless.